0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity today to lift up our worship to you. Thank you for reminding us that uh, you're with us through the ups and through the downs. uh, And we have the opportunity to draw from a great resource of a relationship with you that changes our whole attitude about life. And today, as we continue to worship you now by looking into your word, I pray that that would be our perspective. I pray that we would truly open up our heart and open up our life to allow you to speak into us and God to change us and make us like you. We look forward to seeing what you have to teach us as we work through this passage today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm sure you would agree with me that we live in a world today where we could all use some encouragement. And that's where we're going to end up as we look at Psalm 58 today. But we have to start out today understanding that this psalm is about injustice. It simply uh, is a psalm that takes us to our next stop on our journey through book two of the psalms that we've been traveling through this year. Like life, this journey sometimes is more challenging than we would like. We live in stormy times. Many of the storms you and I are facing today are caused by the actions of leaders from nations around the world. And I'm sure you're aware that most people in our world today are not committed to knowing and following God. That choice is a critical choice. It affects all of life. That wrong choice causes pain, and it causes all creation to be out of balance. And especially, especially it causes pain for human beings. So our current reality is a painful one. People are suffering. People are dying. Last month, for example, we had members and friends of this church who lost life's battle with heart disease, and with cancer, and of course, with coronavirus. And add to that the battles that are going on in relationships like spousal abuse, or uh, issues like abortion, or racial disharmony, or social injustice, or sex trafficking, or rape, or pornography, or poverty, Issues with foster care and health care costs, homelessness in our culture, mental illnesses that are rampant in our culture today, bullying among young people, immigration and refugee issues. You add all that up, and you have to agree that life at its best is a mess. Then top it off with the seemingly never-ending political wars that are going on in our country, And life is downright painful, isn't it? We need a refuge. We need a safe place to go. We need a shelter in which to hide with all of the chaos going on around us in our world. 27 years ago, I stood before a packed church building in South Alabama and preached my mother's funeral. My mother died from lung cancer. She was not a smoker, but she died from secondhand smoke. And I stood before that crowd that day, and I declared, I hate cancer. Last week, my brother-in-law passed away, and the day before he passed away with coronavirus, the doctor, one of his doctors said to Tracy, James' wife, I hate COVID-19 psalm 58 takes us there some things are hateworthy. and david cries out in the never-ending battle for justice and clearly tells it like it is last week in psalm 57 we discovered that man is most satisfied when god is most glorified And that's where we pick up today, understanding that God is a just God, and to know and obey Him puts us in the battle for justice. As Psalm 57 explains what it should look like when we exalt God, Psalm 58 describes to perfection what it looks like for a person not to exalt God. So open your Bible with me as I read Psalm 58, and let's discover four steps that we can take in the battle for justice. Psalm 58, to the choir master, according to Do Not Disturb, a mictum of David. Verse 1, do you indeed decree what is right, you gods? Do you judge the children of man uprightly? No, in your hearts you devise wrongs. Your hands deal out violence on earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. They have venom like the venom of a serpent, like the deaf adder that stops its ear, so that it does not hear the voice of charmers or of the cunning enchanter. O God, break the teeth in their mouths. Tear out the fangs of the young lions, O Lord. Let them vanish like the water that runs away. When he aims his arrows, let them be blunted. Let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime, like the stillborn child who never sees the sun. Sooner than your pots can feel the heat of thorns, whether green or ablaze, may he sweep them away. The righteous will rejoice when he sees the vengeance." He will bathe his feet in the blood of the wicked. Mankind will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on earth. This is the word of the Lord to the people of the Lord. So there are four steps to this battle of justice, battle for justice. So let's look at them. Step one is to recognize injustice. We see this in verses 1 and 2. see, David was concerned that the people responsible for judging people were worse than the criminals. He literally was indicting leaders. They were taking the place that only belongs to God. Look at verse 1. Do you indeed decree what is right, you gods? Do you judge the children of man uprightly? No, in your hearts you devise wrongs your hands deal out violence on earth. See, David was concerned for justice. These leaders were acting like they were God, and their actions were criminal. Their actions were unjust. Their actions were totally self-serving, as far from God as one could get. Now, to even discuss justice, There must be a standard. There there has to be boundaries set. And someone has to have the authority and the right to set those boundaries. You can't have this discussion about justice without bringing the true and living God into the discussion. Because he is the only perfect, righteous, holy, just judge. See, David was livid, and he blasted ungodly leaders. So today, how do we know the right thing to do? Well, it starts by recognizing injustice when we see it. We must draw a line in the right place, and that starts right here in the heart. And I'm not talking about somebody else. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me, the battle for justice starts in each of our hearts. The closer our heart is to the heart of God, the more we're going to treat people like God treats people. And that's what the issue of justice and injustice is really all about. And that's exactly what David was doing. David was marching to the drumbeat of God rather than to the drumbeat of some other man, or some other popular opinion. So what should be on your spiritual radar screen today? As I said before, storms are part of life, and they're they're, they're very unavoidable, and we all have become very familiar with radar over the last few days, and looking at storms. We all know too well what it's like to uh, to be caught in the middle of a weather storm and in recent years storms have taken fewer and fewer lives because of advanced radar systems the radar screen shows the intensity and the exact location of the storm and when one uses radar one can have a model for recognizing where that storm is going to go in our spiritual lives we have a model for recognizing injustice, just like in the weather world, we have radar to recognize weather. Jesus Christ Himself set our example. We constantly must be recognizing the kinds of things that Jesus was concerned about in His earthly ministry. A leader once asked Jesus what He needed to do to inherit eternal life. This leader just happened to be a lawyer. And Jesus responded with a story about a good Samaritan. Jesus demonstrated that knowing the right answers is not real faith. Real faith is followed by real actions. So for too long, I fear that the church has been like the priest and the Levite in this story of the Good Samaritan, where we just walk by the issues of injustice. Now, there's a caution here. I want to be very careful. I'm not talking here about a social gospel. A social gospel is trusting your good works to justify yourself. Social gospel says there are issues, there are events, there are things going on on this world that demand our, our total attention. We don't have the right to define the gospel. The gospel has already been defined for us. And social gospel puts issues like saving our environment and spousal abuse and abortion and racial disharmony and social injustice and sex trafficking and rape and pornography and poverty and foster care and health care costs and homelessness and mental illnesses and bullying and immigration and refugee issues above the core issue of living under the authority of God. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. All of these issues are important issues. And I think all of these issues are issues that Jesus himself would take a stand for. And when they're abused, he would take a stance against them. But those issues are not the gospel. When we try to do for man what only God can do, we fall into the trap of living under a social gospel. Justice is about doing the right thing for the right reason. And knowing Jesus and showing concern for what he demonstrated concern for is the key. But never substitute that for the truth of the gospel. See, Jesus recognized injustice in leaders and he called them out. And in this psalm, in Psalm 58, David was calling out leaders for their unjust actions. How are are we today to recognize injustice in our world? You may be in a situation today where you need to boldly say something. You need to speak out against something that is an abuse to other people, to humankind. And you need to do that like David, regardless of the cost. And that's what Jesus did, and that's what David did. So, step one for our battle for injustice is to recognize injustice. Let it be on our radar screen. As you read the Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal areas where you need to be aware of injustice. And I promise you, if you will open your Bible every day and read the Bible with that question in mind, the Holy Spirit will show you what to stand up for and what to say, what to speak out against. Step two then is to expose injustice. I recognize injustice and then I expose injustice. David exposed the lies of these wicked leaders look at verse 3 he said the wicked are estranged from the womb they go astray from birth speaking lies they have venom like the venom of a serpent like the deaf adder that stops its ears so that if he does not hear the voice of the charmers or of the cunning enchanter now in this little statement david exposed two kinds of evil And I want us to be very careful that we don't fall into the trap of not being aware and not exposing these kinds of evils in our own life and in the lives of others. See, David recognized that from birth, our hearts are evil. That means that we're not God. He said, the wicked are estranged from the womb. That reminds me of that passage in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 where Paul says, none is righteous. No, not one. And in Romans 3.23, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means that the glory of God is our standard for living. The boundaries that we must live within are to give glory to God And that's where injustice begins. Injustice begins when we step outside those boundaries. Injustice begins in the heart of the unrighteous when we try to become God rather than allowing God to be God. See, our human nature is self-protective. We're self-centered individuals. And that means that we are evil without even knowing it that's the first type of injustice it's being evil being sinful without even knowing it it might go like this i know i can't afford a particular house or a car or a dress or a boat but i need to keep up with my neighbors so i buy it anyway that's called human nature and it sounds so innocent But when it comes time to help someone in distress, then I can't afford to do that. That's called the sin of omission. It starts early in life, and then it becomes a way of life. Sins of omission are deadly. We sin without even knowing it. But then there's another type of evil that David describes here, and that is willful disobedience. He said it's like a snake intentionally stopping up his ears and willfully not wanting to hear the instructions of the instructor. This form of evil is a character issue. The real you is always going to come out under pressure. And when pressure is put on you, evil is going to come out let me ask you are are you bold enough to recognize and expose uh, injustice when it occurs see anytime you know the right thing to do but just stop up your ears and fail to hear the instructions from the instructor then you have fallen into the trap of injustice a lot of people lie, for example. In verse 3, he said they go astray from birth speaking lies. Lying is at the heart of selfishness, lying is at the heart of injustice. God asked Adam in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 Did you eat the forbidden fruit? And what did Adam say? Adam answered and said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. It's very interesting to me how closely connected lying and injustice are. What's best for me is at the heart of both. So willful disobedience and unconscious disobedience are both damaging to all creation. So when you see it, David is giving us an example to follow. We need to cry out against it. Step two for the battle for justice is to expose injustice. And listen, it starts with self-examination. I don't have the right to judge somebody else until I've looked into my own heart and found that I'm righteous that I'm perfect. Jesus said it like this. Jesus said so many funny things that go under the radar screen. But one day Jesus said, you know, he said, get the telephone pole out of your own eye before you try to take the toothpick out of your neighbor's eye. And that's at the heart of self-examination. That's at the heart of making sure that we're looking at ourselves first rather than looking at somebody else. So step two for the battle for justice is to expose injustice. Step three then is to condemn injustice. I recognize it, I expose it, and then I condemn injustice. David confesses to God in this imprecatory prayer that is just incredible. He cries out to God, he said, Get them back, God. These people are evil, these people are torturing people, and they need to be taken care of. And so he cries out in verse 6, O oh God, break the teeth in their mouths. Tear out their fangs of the young lions, O Lord. Let them vanish like water that runs away. When he aims his arrows, let them be blunted. Let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime, like the stillborn child who never sees the sun. See, David's prayer is a prayer for justice. I hope you feel the intensity of this prayer. His anger is hot. His prayer is bold, and it's strong. I mean, I look at this prayer, and I mean, I feel pain just reading this prayer, don't you? breaking teeth what does that do that causes permanent damage ripping out fangs of destruction that's that's ugly again that's that's painful praying for people to disappear and for god to turn their weapons of destruction into toys is some serious venting that david is doing now don't forget why david is praying this prayer Don't forget why he is so graphic and so passionate as he prays this prayer. David hated injustice, and you and I today need no less to hate injustice as David did. And this prayer just demonstrates the sincerity of David's heart against injustice. He recognized injustice, he exposed injustice, then he prayed for God to do something radical about injustice. I wonder how long it's been since you and I prayed a prayer like that. Fifteen years ago, I spent a week at a Wild at Heart boot camp with John Eldridge out in Colorado with, with 500 men. I had just weeks earlier been asked to resign from a church that I had poured 14 years of my life into. And I went out to Colorado and spent that week and I was so impressed and so encouraged because the process that Eldridge used that week was to take about 45 minutes in a classroom setting and then send us out uh, by ourselves on the side of the mountain to, to pray and to diligently seek the heart of God about the issue that we were, we were taught about in the classroom. And we spent a whole week going back and forth from the classroom to the mountainside. And the most of that week was spent in prayer. And I have to confess to you that uh, there were some imprecatory prayers that I prayed that week as well. John Eldridge, in his, in his late book, his last book that he wrote, um, has a quote that I think speaks to the heart of the heart of David here. Someone asked him, uh, How do we pray bold prayers? And Eldridge replied, You've got to have your heart in it. If your heart is not in it, it won't happen. Start with what you care about. What change do you want to see in your life, your family, your community, your world? If you start with what you care about, it ignites passion in your prayers. David had passion for justice, and his prayer reflected that passion. And so David prays, oh God, break, tear out, destroy, disable unjust, evil people. And it would do you and me well to start there as well in our battle for justice. And that is to start praying prayers that have teeth in them. Do you want the kind of passion David reflects here? Then be passionate about what God is passionate about. Justice is at the center of the heart of God. So invite God into the heart of your concerns about justice look at verse nine sooner than your pots can fill the heat of thorns where the green are ablaze may he sweep them away see david expected justice and he trusted the authority of god to bring justice after jesus had completed his work here on this earth just before his ascension back into heaven the bible says in matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 and jesus came and said to them all authority is on in heaven and on earth has been given to me jesus christ is the authority in heaven and on earth and believers today get to operate inside of that authority in ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 the bible says even when we were dead in our trespasses He made us alive together with Christ by grace you are saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, we have been raised with Christ to pray and live in his authority. That's not just praying about eternity. That's praying about today, right now, We have the special privilege from God to live in the authority of Christ if we are believers in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So we are in training for reigning in eternity with Jesus. And while we walk here on this earth, we have the privilege of walking in the authority of Jesus. And so we need to use that authority to call down God's judgment Upon injustice. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. I pray in the authority of Jesus. He is giving authority for us to pray like David prayed. David knew the wicked were worthless and their destruction would be sudden and would be complete. And he prayerfully condemned their injustice. So the first three steps in the battle for justice. Recognizes, exposes, and condemns injustice. And the prophets all challenge God's people to fight for justice as well. If you look at the books of Joel through Malachi, which probably are the least preached books in our churches today, you will find that they all cry out for justice because God's heart is for justice. All 11 or 12 of those prophets from the book of Joel to the book of Malachi cry out for God to bring justice upon the people who are abusing justice on the face of the earth. So the final step then in our battle for justice is to defeat injustice. We see this in verses 10 and 11 of Psalm 58. You defeat injustice by knowing and trusting, and obeying God. Look at verse 10. The righteous will rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He will bathe his feet in the blood of the wicked. So David expresses joy that comes when injustice is defeated. Then in verse 11, mankind will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous." Surely there is a God who judges on earth. David affirmed that God's justice will prevail. And we have to trust that just like David trusted that. There there is within this statement hope that you and I have. Every believer has hope for the reward that God is going to give those who follow after his righteousness. So there's a necessary place for us to begin. And that necessary place for us to begin is by praying to God and asking him to rain down justice on the unjust and to give victory to the righteous, give victory to those who put their faith and their trust in him. So you cannot defeat injustice until your heart is in sync with God's heart. And that's the message of this psalm. You can know all the right things to do, and you can even be doing right things. But if your heart is not connected to the heart of God, you will never defeat injustice. In fact, you'll just fall into the injustice trap. David knew the difference. And you and I will only defeat injustice when the love of our life is knowing and serving and obeying God. Now, I'm all for peaceful demonstrations. And I want you to listen carefully to what I'm saying here. I've even participated in a few peaceful demonstrations myself. But justice will never come through demonstrations they're great for awareness, but they're not the solution. There's only one way for liberty and justice to prevail. True justice and mercy and faithfulness, according to Jesus, only flow from the heart of those fully devoted to God through Jesus. One day, he will judge the living and the dead, according to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. And the reward for the righteous is to care about what God cares about. Defeat injustice through prayer. Defeat injustice by being informed about the issues that God cares about. Defeat injustice by voting your conscience according to what you understand God's Word to be teaching. And follow that instruction. See, the greatest way, the greatest way to defeat injustice is to be a witness for how Jesus Christ has changed your life. Once you know him, and once you allow him to change your life, and once you're obeying him in that daily walk with him, you're going to know what injustice issues to take a stand against. You're going to know what justice issues to to stand up for. We said it last week, and I said it in the introduction to the message today, but man is most satisfied when God is most glorified. And injustice is the fruit of the failure to exalt God. The fruit is in the root always and believers had the responsibility to care about the things that Jesus cares about and that great commandment that Jesus gave he said love the Lord your God with everything you have and everything you are and then he said and love your neighbor as yourself anything less than that leads to injustice Jesus put the Father first. What priority in your life are you putting ahead of God? Jesus ultimately trusted the Father. Is your ultimate trust in Him? Jesus focused on sharing truth. Are you living and declaring truth? See, anything less than knowing and obeying God leads to injustice. That's why these questions are so relevant to where we live today. We all need a refuge. And surely there is a God who judges on earth, who can be our refuge. So let me wrap it up today with just two points of application. And they're at the heart of this entire psalm. First of all, I want to challenge you to devote your life to knowing God. You say, how do you do that? Well, Jesus said it so well in John chapter 3. In verse 16 and 17, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The gospel is clear. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. See, the greatest need in the world today is for every man, woman, and child to know Jesus. Because when we know Jesus, social injustice goes away. When we know and obey Jesus, social injustice is not even an issue. So, again, I challenge you to devote your life to knowing God today through Jesus. It's the only path to real peace. It's the only path to finding that real refuge. And then secondly and finally, I challenge you to devote your life to obeying God. Devote your life to knowing God, then devote your life to obeying God. In John chapter 13, Jesus said it this way in verses 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, there's clearly a deficiency of love in our world today. And when I say love, I'm talking about the kind of love that God demonstrated to us by giving his son, Jesus, to be the sacrifice for our sin. If you've never trusted him, I pray that you will trust him today because once you trust him and know him and obey him, then justice issues become a priority in your life because they were a priority in the life of Jesus. He came to show us how to love. He came to show us and demonstrate for us what love really is. So obeying God by trusting Jesus is the way to peace today. It's the way to find the refuge that God wants you to find in Him. Now, if during this message today I've made me look good, then i failed. If in this message today I have made you feel good, then I've failed. If this message today leads you to know Jesus and obediently follow Him, then I've succeeded. Because that's what life is all about in the world of justice. You and I have an opportunity today to allow God to speak to us and to change us. And I pray that you follow me in allowing that to happen. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you today for Jesus. I thank you that you have shown us how to live above the injustice of this world. And in spite of the injustice in this world, I thank you for the boldness of David to cry out against injustice. And I pray today that you will give us that same kind of boldness. But before we cry out, I pray that you'll help us to take care of the business that we need to take care of in our own heart. God, help us above everything to know you, to trust you, and then to obey you. And God, I pray that the theme of our heart today will be that I have truly decided to follow Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
1: You're the only voice I want to hear. Walk with me and show me.
2: Wow, church, uh, this is what's true. I'm a sinner and you're a sinner, which means that for all of us, it's easy for us to hear a message like that and to think that it's for anyone and everyone but ourselves. But we can't do that. Uh, I'm praying right now that the Spirit of God would work in your heart to show you uh, where you can become more like God, where you can love the things that He loves and hate the things that He hates. Uh, We all need to take steps. We all need to grow today. And so I'm praying uh, that you'll join us in being humble enough uh, to repent where we need to repent and to take bold steps where we need to um, love people and serve people in our world today. Uh, As always, we're just so thankful that you all have continued to be faithful in giving and supporting the church through through this time. Uh, At this time, if you want to continue to give and worship in that way, We want to invite you to do that by either uh, sending a check in to the church at our PO box, uh, coming and dropping a a check off at the church at our safety box right beside the front door, or by using our online uh, giving option uh, that that is seamless for you there. Uh, We love you guys. Uh, We we are praying for you. And if you have anything that you need, we we hope that you would reach out to us so that we can partner with you and, and pray with you through that. Uh, We will see you soon, and we love you so much.